Welcome to The Razor's Edge. I'm Daniel Schwartzman, and I'm joined by Seeking Alpha author Akram's Razor. Each episode, we take an investing idea or theme that Akram has been looking at for his personal investing, as well as the Seeking Alpha marketplace service he runs, also called The Razor's Edge. We look at specific ideas, discuss how they might play out, how to position, what research is going into the thesis, sharing current investing and trading ideas, as well as the ins and outs of deep fundamental market research today. If you're interested in more of those ideas, as well as up-to-date developments and the chance to swap thoughts with Akram and other professional or advanced investors, you can check out Akram's Marketplace service by typing Akram's Razor or the Razor's Edge on the search bar on Seeking Alpha or going to the marketplace. This week, we're talking about Facebook with a touch of Amazon and maybe a little Google thrown in. Akram has mentioned the company, Facebook, I mean, in both of our podcasts this year. And with the social media giant reporting earnings this week and pulling back after it, we thought it'd be good to break open the whole case. It's a growth monster, but it's under a lot of scrutiny. And maybe that's what's behind the slower growth guidance for Q1, which is what people are saying led to the sell-off. My big concern that I'm going to pose here is that isn't Facebook, despite the sell-off, sort of a consensus buy, at least if you look on Seeking Alpha and you know, sort of other sites like that? If so, what happens to the stock? So as I said, we're going to use some FANG peers to get into it, and that's our focus on today's podcast. Before we begin, our usual disclaimer and disclosure. The Razor's Edge is a podcast on Seeking Alpha's The Investing Edge channel. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, and nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. We'll disclose any positions and any stocks discussed at the end of the podcast, but Akram is along Facebook, Google, and Amazon. I am along Google, have no positions in the other companies, and I'll just say up top, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook as a product set. We'll get into other topics later. We're recording this on January 31st. So Akram, good morning. Busy week, huh? Good morning, Daniel. Yeah, pretty crazy. Amazon finally joined the party. Yay. So we'll we'll definitely get into Amazon. Let's start with Facebook. I'm going to, sort of what I did last week, going to throw out some numbers to try to help frame it. And I'm going to use Google because that's you know, traditionally Facebook has been sort of the younger Google in the market's eyes, I think. So some numbers from Facebook's call or report, they still had monthly and daily active user growth of nine and 11%. I forget if that's a year over year or quarter over quarter, but it's still a pretty solid number there given how huge Facebook is. Mostly Asia and rest of world growth, it looks like. It's year over year, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, great. So year over year. They're trading at about 30 times EV to enterprise value to net income. Their enterprise value we discussed is something like 540, $550 billion. Their OPEX growth was 51% year over year on a full year basis versus 27% rev growth. Legal is about $5 billion of that. We can discuss whether that's a cost of business. EV to free cash flow is 26 times and forward PE... I think this is a non-gap number, but again, 22 and a half times. So, Yeah, it's about 20 times forward earnings. Okay. Google, as a comparison, I didn't pull up their forward earnings number, but they haven't reported yet. 31 times trailing 12 months PE, 30 times trailing 12 months 
EV to free cash flow. So a little more expensive revenue growth, only 19%, but for the first nine months of 2019, but their revenue growth is right now faster than their OPEX growth. So just, just to give the snapshot. So you've, you've sort of been pounding the table on Facebook already. So what do you, you know, the company reported stocks pull, pulled back five or 6% anyhow, what, what's going on or what, what are your initial thoughts with the company? I mean, as far as the earnings reaction, I don't think there was anything surprising other than the fact that it dropped. So <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think anyone really has a handle on it. People have come up with some excuses on why the stock is down. I mean, look, the stock had been having a nice run with uh, the rest of the FANG peer group, except Amazon, which had been the only one really not participating. And I think they, the quarter was structured in a way where it wasn't something where you were going to get, just from a pure quarter basis, news that was notably better than expected. It was more just a stock in terms of how you want to value it and whether it's going to continue to re-rate upwards or not. What do you mean by the quarter was structured, meaning from a guidance perspective? They've been, t- they've been, they've been telling you, yeah, from a guidance perspective. I mean, they've been telling you sin- since, you know, I'd say three quarters ago, they've been very transparent as far as uh, the operating model. I don't, so they've been telling you since three quarters ago that the biggest drop year over year in the revenue growth rate was coming in Q4. And they still beat that, right? They, they were telling you it would be mid single, mid to high single digits year over year decline in the in the in the in the growth rate. They gave you opex guidance for 2020 last last quarter, okay? And when the stock went up, not exactly a surprise. That didn't change, and they told you that the the growth rate decline in 2020 would be notably slower than the decline that they would see in Q4, which is what they guided. They guided to low to mid-single digits for Q1. It's as expected on every front, right? Now, what you're not going to get out of Facebook because of the level that they're spending from a content management standpoint and with the heat that they're under, on a regulatory standpoint, and I guess I don't even say regulatory, like almost, uh, you know, from a mainstream media, they're very picked on. The with that heat, they are investing heavily, so you're not going to get <laughs> notable uh, earnings upside. I mean, there was just nothing surprising about it that quarter. To tell you the truth. And yet we still, so we still have 6% drop. No, and not really. Exactly. So, so you got that kind of move where people look at it and are like, okay, you know, I mean, you've, you've had some arguments that, okay, advertising is just like the whole business, right? It's not as diversified as the other, as, as the other fangs, essentially. If you look at Apple's quarter from the the iPhone, the wearables, the service Mm -hmm. revenue, if you look at Amazon today, it's essentially, you know, AWS came in really strong. I mean, when we say really strong, like 55 million higher than expectations, <laughs> but it's so not exactly shocking, but like right at the almost $10 billion quarter, so $40 billion run rate. 
AWS is uh, the market's in love with software again, right? So if you want to look at service now, yesterday, Salesforce, Atlassian, what's AWS? AWS is a $40 billion, 30% plus growing cloud business with 30% margins. What, what does that trade on a standalone basis? Salesforce is trading at like 11x sales. If you're ServiceNow or you're Atlassian, you're in the 20 plus X range now. I mean, I'd made an argument on Twitter on, on how you value Amazon. And you could make the argument that AWS, if it, if it traded by itself, was anywhere from 600 to 800 billion. And Amazon was trading at like an 890 billion market cap. They have an advertising business that's approaching a $20 billion annual run rate, growing at 50%. So if you look at digital ad businesses, when we talk about Facebook and Google, I mean, conservatively speaking, you would say that ad business is a $150 billion business by itself. So add that to a cloud business. And you're looking at a company that the rest of it, which is e-commerce, logistics, consumer devices in terms of home, Roku, Ring, type style when you're when you're talking about Roku and the Fire TV and then and and Ring at home Alexa in terms of uh, voice assistant and everything else that they have aspirations for whether it's healthcare and, and whatnot and that business is you know a quarter trillion dollars in well let's let's not call it a quarter trillion over two hundred billion dollars in in annual revenue run rate and it's getting you know, almost a, a 50 billion to zero <laughs> enterprise value. If you valued the the advertising and uh, the public cloud business and the way those businesses are valued on their own by the market. So when you do look at it, I mean, it's hard to, to, to do that because Amazon does run those other businesses that essentially break even. It's not milking them. And the the profit center is AWS. I mean, look at this quarter. AWS was was like seventy percent of operating income for the for the company, right? I mean, that's kind of astounding. One one of the things that's interesting with all these tech companies right now is is that sort of conglomerate sensation and who gets benefits for it and who gets uh, who don't get benefits. And so. Amazon, you know, you made the point AWS is sort of the monster, which mostly you just broke out the sum of the parts, but you could also argue that that's what's fueling the rest of their business. And if you take AWS out, maybe that, you know, curbs what they can do. Let's just say that's one thing. Yeah, we we can make an argument that they're much more constrained as far as balancing growth with you know shareholder returns mm. if you don't have the AWS cash cap right. without question but at the same time if you look at it and say well i mean take shopify at 60 billion dollar enterprise value going to do about 1.5 billion in revenue <laughs> and a lot of shopify bulls are very you know keen to compare it to you know there's amazon and shopify mm-hmm. right shopify has nothing of these amazon businesses doesn't have AWS, okay? It's it's not running a, a prime subscription model with across consumers, right? It doesn't have an ad business uh, of this scale. 
you look at it, if you were to decompose it, you know, a good chunk of the revenue is 40% gross margin on the mer- merchant solution. And, you know, people do get excited and say, well, I mean, they, they're powering a lot of websites for e-commerce, for major brands and this, this and that. But Shopify Plus is just teeny, you know, it, it, you can't compare Shopify Plus to an AWS. They don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the technology. I mean, people want to say that, that you know, it's kind of a software company, but it really isn't. It's this pure play e-commerce, essentially speaking, that has gotten a huge multiple relative, relative in perspective to what that e-commerce business of Amazon would be getting if it was standalone. It's not viewed within that context because Amazon does get this moment, but, but Amazon, Amazon has this gigantic consumer business. I mean, 150 million Prime subscribers worldwide, 40 million plus Fire TV subscribers, right? If you think about the Amazon Music and and video and all these things and where they're competing, and then you know, as far as the logistics infrastructure that they have, which I mean, Shopify is now going into fulfillment on their own, and it's it's very hard to draw a comparison. It's like how 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 does one invest in that sense? So I think when you get Amazon, it's definitely people get excited from it. From a it's a it's it's not a company that's being valued on its ability to generate free cash flow, right? I mean, if you look at it, like we were just saying, Amazon's operating income this quarter, Facebook is almost two and a half times, and Facebook grew revenue faster. And yet, Amazon has an EV of roughly twice Facebook. Well, it, it be, because it's it seems like again with Amazon, let's say, I mean, you're you're. In theory, you can see how they break apart, or I, I don't. I, I'm still actually not clear whether they're getting benefit of the doubt for that or not benefit of the doubt. But with Facebook, let's say compare them to Google. When I think about, and my Google position is basically just a market, you know, market exposure position. I think it's not a high conviction thing. But the when you think about Google, you think about yeah, they may be slowing faster, but search feels like a more irreplaceable business than I would argue a lot of Facebook's social media. Not that they don't have great competitive position, but more to the point, I think Google, you think about, okay, well, they've got Waymo, which people say is the best automated driving company whenever that actually gets to market. Google, we we know there's the mythology at the very least. It's, I mean, those- with, with, with Waymo, we don't even really know what their strategy is, right? I mean, Google has a lot of this, well, what's the plan type questions, which the stock is doing better now because the view is with Sundar running the whole show and uh, Larry and Sergey now officially out that you'll get more clarity on how they're going to make money and and how you're going to make money in cloud too, right? So GCP is a distant third behind uh, AWS and Azure. So... They're they're great at technology. They're great at engineering. They obviously they have the resources, but to say that search versus let's say social is completely unassailable, I mean, look at Amazon. I mean, uh, the the more voice assistant grows, and you're asking Alexa questions, what is that replacing? Google. You know, with Am- with Alexa, there's also reports of lack of a business plan or or not lack of a plan, but it's not coming together. But 
we could sort of wear the different hat for each of these companies in a different way. But I, with Facebook, you don't think necessarily of some laden upside. There's not like a big bet hidden in them. I know we talked last time about the potential, and maybe this, because there was a lot of talk about payments on the call yesterday, maybe WhatsApp and sort of fulfillment. But you know what I mean? Like there's not, you don't hear as much buzz about that. Right, how, are they, how, are, how are they not p- potentially a, an e-commerce company For, giant? Yeah. As f- in, the same way, in the same way from a marketplace standpoint that Shopify or Amazon function, right? Instagram storefront, uh, WhatsApp payments, you know, using WhatsApp as, uh, as a storefront for business, a concierge service, so on and so forth. It's not like people aren't setting up Instagram stores and, and selling direct via Instagram. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's probably the the other thing that comes to mind. That's maybe a better compare to Waymo is the idea of the AR stuff, which <sighs> I don't know if that is a real business either. But that's something that they're spending a lot of time with. Yeah, he's obviously very interested in, in augmented reality and gaming, mm-hmm. and and that's obviously an area of the future where. It seems to be up his alley, and and uh, there's passion for it. But at the same time, if you look at the overall business, I mean, they could be a cloud company if they wanted to. They could enter public cloud. He's been asked about that in the past and said no. But all their capex is essentially data centers, right? And they're very good at at customizing their infrastructure. It's not like they they haven't had top engineers and they're doing their own networking and. They open source a lot of their protocols. So you're talking about a company with, you know, $50 billion plus cash, zero debt that has 50% EBITDA margins uh, approaching $80 billion in revenue. Their ability to enter that space is a no problem. I mean, again, I think when it comes to Facebook, it goes back to the fact that they're social media in of itself, which is their whole business model from a profit standpoint, is criticized. And they don't get any they don't get any benefit to the upside of, of what this business does. Right? They have a huge PR problem. Mark Beanoff criticizes them, Apple criticizes them. I mean, even you when we started this, you're like, I'm not the biggest believer in my but it's an incredibly profitable company. Well, right? I... <laughs> that's that, that's essentially the 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 criticism Scott Galloway same thing Mark Zuckerberg one of his predictions is it gets in, indicted this year he's been ripping Sheryl Sandberg she's done worse for women mm-hmm. than anybody alive like you know Tim Cook's criticized them I mean think about Apple in the context and I've made this comparison what is Apple's core business without social media they don't get any heat, they don't get any heat for it but what would I be paying for a phone if I was just using the phone to talk on the phone, if 65 to 70% of my time isn't spent, you know, on Instagram and WhatsApp and taking selfies, which I post on social media because, Hey, we've got this great camera. It's amazing. Well, what are they using the camera for <laughs> to take pictures and store them just for themselves? No, I should say I'm not, my, I just think that I, I find the actual product of Facebook and Instagram not super compelling. WhatsApp has kind of, I can't avoid WhatsApp. I, I don't use Messenger at all, so I guess that's where I was coming. I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not exactly the, a, 
I feel like the whole ecosystem and just sort of, I, I, you know, we could get into a much broader political system. I don't think it, I don't think Facebook is on its own there. I do think they may get a disproportion. And I, but I guess there is something about, you know, we, we, we could talk about a number of companies where the story matters. Amazon is a great, Bezos has historically been a great storyteller about focusing on the future and we're investing and maximizing cash flow in the long term, et cetera. And maybe that's, when you talk about Facebook entering cloud, for example, or any, they, they got a question about Facebook dating yesterday and they said, oh, it's going fine. We're one of the biggest dating platforms in the world. And I'm sure they are, but people still have their doubts about, like there's the, oh, would you trust Facebook to manage your dating ecosystem? I guess that's the, how much does that matter? Look, listen, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is when you when you look at Facebook, you the what you hear in the press is like, about how some child was auctioned off and they didn't catch it or some political ad had a lie in it and they took money for it and they didn't they didn't catch it or regulate that content or how it's having a negative effect on human behavior like you're addicted to online and your life's not as good enough and so on and so forth right what you don't ever hear which it's fine. I mean, these there's negatives to everything. There's there's negatives to gaming. There's negatives to watching, you know, video. Like if you go back to you know people watching television and being like, oh, you don't want your kids just sitting there staring at the TV and being addicted to TV, right? And I mean, take a company like Disney, which has embraced ESPN's embraced sports betting. Disney's got this squeaky clean culture. And ESPN now runs segments about like bad beats and what games to bet on. Okay. So they've embraced gambling. When you think about like outright sins out there, and I mean, Amazon obviously is, is, is very deep into gaming. I mean, Facebook obviously is into gaming too, but so is Apple. Apple Arcade. I mean, you look at the iPad, great educational tool, but how many kids is it like a crack rock antisocial tool for them where they're playing games on it? And it has a lot to do with the way you touch interface with it and, and that design. But you don't see people being like Tim Cook and Apple, you know, are destroying our youth and turning them into early video game addicts. Yeah, I and I think that's a and that's sort of where I come around on you know, there are certain types of companies that I won't invest in just out of lack of interest in because I, I don't necessarily want to be associated with them. But I do think that in capitalism, well, you would have to you would have to, but you'd have to eliminate all Fang if that was the case. right. That's what I'm saying because yeah. because nobody is more guilty than Apple. They benefit hugely off of social media. Social media, when you think about let's go into five G and what's the killer app like. I, I think the point generally here is that there's you know a sense of it's easy to get on your high horse, but there's a lot of hypocrisy there, right? You, I think your point is that with Apple, there's still plenty of collateral damage or whatever you want to call it about using the products, right? I mean, it's like hard to single out Facebook as compared to these other companies because they're all... I'm just saying they don't get the benefit for the upside. If it was a subscription business, you're paying 10 to $12 a month in the US, right? And that would give you the ability to do long distance phone calls, to network, to message, etc. And they wouldn't have to sell your information to advertisers. 
the model doesn't essentially really work that way because as you're saying, like, I mean, Zuckerberg had a comment and he quickly got ripped on social media that, you know, GDPR and these restrictions on, on tracking hurt small businesses. And people are like, that's bullshit. That's such a hypocritical comment. But I mean, it is true. Who's the customer of Facebook? It's businesses that want access to highly targeted information to run advertising. Nike can hire a pitch man and pay him $20 million. If I'm running a small store where I've designed a custom swimwear line, I want either access to influencers or, or target a demographic to run my ads. And that's what Facebook gives you because they do track and collect a ton of data to generate you a significant ROI. You restrict them on that. Yeah, they're less profitable, but so is the ROI available to SMBs who want to run targeted advertising campaigns. My point is, is that they don't get any of these, like you don't hear any stories and you don't get any coverage in the media about them from a positive sense at all anymore. Like how, how many people have met on Facebook? How many people got you know connected on Facebook? There was someone on the other day saying it's he doesn't invest in Facebook because it's the new cigarettes. Well, I mean, tons of people have very productive use out of Facebook. And, and you don't think about it from an emerging market standpoint where they make less money, but a huge percentage of the user base is there. If you're someone in India or the Philippines or Vietnam, like how great is WhatsApp? It's free for long distance phone calls. I mean, the savings to a person in the Western world are fantastic. Even beyond that, how amazing are they for people in much lower income areas? And for them, you know, setting up a, a, a store on Instagram or and being able to sell something online and, and take a payment on WhatsApp is a huge deal. Okay. But that's not going to pay the bills if you're giving that all away for free. But I wonder, I, I think, I wonder if part of it is because when you started that, you said it's amazing, but that's from the advertiser's perspective, which is, we don't think, we still, you know, think about the human benefit. And when you think about television, for example, as a previous, I don't know if television was the dominant advertising form or if it was print, but whatever, in either case, it's clearer the product is something that's produced by other people, whereas with Facebook, the product is we the content, I guess, as we think about it, is produced by us as members. And so it's less, there's less of a separation. And so there's less of a understanding of what am I consuming? Because you think you're producing your, you are producing yourself. Facebook's created the space for you to do it. That's not as tangible. And then the other thing is that, you know, and I think this, I think there's something here and it's certainly not only Facebook about the, just the the when you build to that scale, it does concentrate a lot of power and decision making. And not necessarily that Facebook should be the one to make that decision, but that's also the ways around that are not simple. And so I think I wonder if those are the two things, that concentration and also that lack of you're not there to read what Mark Zuckerberg thinks. Well, you're not reading what Mark Zuckerberg thinks. That's the that's the whole point. I mean right. he's invested a ton of money in, in when you think about the scale of the content, okay, that's being created by so many people, monitoring it and regulating it, like, you know, stopping nude photos and, and porn and, 
you know, inappropriate stuff targeted to children and so on and so forth. I mean, it, it's a huge undertaking to to manage all that because the 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 user can do it all for free, right? And when you have that element, it's it's much more complicated as as let's say, you know, you're like a, a school principal overseeing everything. And that's where I think that they, they, they get a lot of the heat. But I mean, just think about think about politics. Sasha Baron Cohen has has been really critical of them. And he's like, if Hitler was alive today and he could buy ads on Facebook. Well, look at the major media news organizations today. Fox News is essentially tailored towards a very right, super ultra conservative views, which you could associate more from a nationalistic and intolerant, very similar ways to the past uh, criticism of, let's say, fascists and Nazi party or whatever. Okay. And CNN today, I mean, because of the way Fox News is, is ultra lefty. Essentially, everything that they're airing <laughs> in the US has shifted way to the other end of the political spectrum. It's just like they're the polar opposite of Fox News, right? I mean, it, it used to be MSNBC, but like the, you've hallowed out the middle. When you consider politics, you know, and I mean, it, it's so subjective and it's easy to make that criticism, but Hitler was an elected, supported, nationalistic official. Think pre, you know, World War II Holocaust. And, and he criticized immigrants. He criticized, you know, essentially Jews. Uh, he, he found a scapegoat. He went after the economy as far as foreign countries, basically ripping off Germany, uh, reparations, etc. I mean, Trump's out there being like, why is the U.S. paying for X, Y, and Z and, and NATO and this and that? And we've been screwed over by every country and every trade deal strong immigration policy, so on and so forth. And they do have national, they, they, they target things in terms of nationalistic appeal as well, you know, guns and anti-climate change and, and things that like, you know, galvanize. And Fox is essentially like, it's, it, it's a fan club for that network. And you don't even really need to run the ads because it's a media company that generates a huge profit off selling that message to a user base that likes it. So politics is politics. If It's to the degree that they get the criticism for it because they're not making any real money really off of this political advertising. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was out on this Guardian article that, that Trump ran something like 200,000 ads or whatnot on Facebook more than anybody uh, calling war on Pocahontas and things like this and that and, and so forth as part of an element of that, like, you know, Facebook doesn't go in and correct these things. Is it their job to go in and correct these things? Because if the major news networks don't bother correcting it, it's considered fine because, well, that's what their audience wants. In Facebook's case, it's that, well, hey, I can get on there and target, you know, other people with this type of stuff because you're choosing to be on Fox to essentially embrace, you know, political views that are, are, are near and dear to your heart. Uh, otherwise, you'd be watching CNN. The people who watch CNN are, are on the other end. So I, I just don't know if you, you can really fault them for what they're doing. 
in today's context. It's just, it's, it's very hard for them to take where the benefits are, where you've connected everyone and you can meet someone online, you can stay in touch with family around the world, you can make international voice calls, you can start a business, you can essentially become your own celebrity. You don't need to get on a TV show and make $20 million uh, in that narrow group. And once you're selected, you can just start on Instagram, build your followers, and then start charging people for product placement. And uh, and like you're basically achieved the same thing that a, a famous athlete or celebrity has achieved in what used to be that much narrower, let's call it TV empire. And the tools are there for you. They're giving you the tools to create the content, manage it, become that person. So a significant portion of people exploit them, but the vast majority don't. They're passive. And that's been the nature because you know anybody who watches TV can be like, hey, let me just get up and go to Hollywood in the back of the day and I'm, I, I want to become a star, right? But that took a lot more work. Now, hey, I set up an Instagram account and I'll start, you know, sharing pictures of me traveling or my cooking or 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 whatnot. Well, I, so I think there's, you know, that was quite the, I, quite the the wide ranging take. I, I think here's, I would say, without getting too into the political advertising and how to deal with that, I I found really compelling what. The chair of the Federal Election Commission, Ellen Weintraub, wrote in the Washington Post. I, I pulled it up as you were talking. It was in November, but I, it, which was basically, go ahead and sell them. The micro-targeting is really the more issue. And I think what that reflects to me is the technology now, and partly fueled by ourselves, but I don't think we should, again, I'm more interested in how Facebook looks at investment, but this stuff is relevant. The, the we, They have made, you know, have been less than transparent. Sometimes people don't realize what their data is being used for, et cetera. So I don't, I don't think that we should ignore that completely, but it's also symptomatic of the broader thing of us being comfortable. You know, again, Google is probably even more, I find Google actually a scarier company. They know more about me than Facebook does without a doubt. And they seem they're more important again, in my view, than, Facebook, my email is through Gmail, et cetera. And so I'm not I'm not trying to single out Facebook, but I, f- I feel like it's that the technology now is so powerful that in a way that TV wasn't, in a way that you know previous forms of advertising just couldn't be, and because there's that, I mean, it's really capitalism at its finest, you'd argue. That it's, it's not necessarily meant to abuse, but because it's you're just the incentive for Facebook is to grow their profits for these businesses is to get more data. And now it's available. And we may have as a body politic given away our data without real, you know, without being fully conscious at the same time. So so I think that's what's at, at stake here. And Facebook is just the easiest company to look at at the same time. They're, as I said at the top, their monthly active users are going up. I don't think they really even, you know, the guy who founded WhatsApp said delete Facebook. I don't think that many people did. WhatsApp is, I get, I've said a couple of times to me, feels like the most, the hardest to drop. I mean, it's droppable, but it's still the one I use the most. So for all that, there's this squeamishness about advertising. You know, advertising is mad men aside, never really been that glamorous a business, but I think that's what it is. It's that 
I said earlier concentration, but it's also just the power of the tools now are just so much beyond anything that we've been. And there hasn't been any likewise full reaction yet for how to deal with that. So that, uh, or maybe there has, and maybe people have on mass, like the people who complain on Twitter don't represent the, the people as a whole who are perfectly happy with Facebook and perfectly fine using it. I don't know. But that to me is where politicians are acting, you know, and I'm sure sometimes in their self-interest and so on. But I feel like that's, that's some of the scrutiny here is how do we deal with what is such a large company, what you're, you know, where you didn't realize that Instagram was going to be the buy it was, or WhatsApp was going to be the buy it was. It's so large. And the tools here are just, you know, beyond anything that it was available to advertisers or to businesses or politicians 25, 30 years ago. I mean, I think Twitter is a reminder of it, it's no different than, let's say, Fox or CNN. If you have a certain type of group of people you're following, your feed is going to look like those networks. You're going to have people who are super anti climate change. You're going to have people who are, who are pro climate change. You're going to have people who are super MAGA. You're going to have people who are you know, complete Trump haters, right? So, but what they don't have is really targeted information about the user base for, let's say, if, you know, I want to market some new product that I've come up with and set up a store the way I have on, on Instagram. That's where you have a difference. Yeah, you, you, you do have the celebrities and, and a degree of followers and their ability to tweet something in the past. But now it's obviously from an influencer standpoint, that person, that celebrity sharing that information with their Instagram users is much more value from valuable from a commerce standpoint than sharing it on Twitter. So what Twitter doesn't have to do is spend a gajillion dollars, which Facebook has to spend to monitor and regulate the content. because when you get on Twitter, you're essentially crafting the nature of the content that's coming your way based on your religious, political, cultural, economic views. And you may get the exact polar opposite coming into your feed, but for the most part, your feed is going to get crafted around that because that's just the way people are. So I, I, I think Facebook gets a lot of heat because it's not tailored that way. It's tailored for the masses, and we th- we don't we don't they don't get credit for you know the ninety percent that use it in a productive manner. They get all the heat for the the, the bad that comes with it, just like television or gaming or gambling or whatever. But to call them cigarettes, cigarettes are a carcinogen. There's plenty of people. You, and we can easily argue probably the vast majority using social media productively for themselves or, or Facebook's tools just just for communication as far as WhatsApp or Messenger. Okay. And there's plenty of people who their time spent on Instagram is just essentially looking at stuff posted by their friends. Their ability for, 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 for that audience, the information that they're collecting about their behavior to serve them ads I think every single one of them, if you gave them a boilerplate, hey, we're going to collect everything, but we're going to charge you nothing, and we're providing it for advertisers in a targeted fashion, I'd say you, 
three quarters are going to be like, sure, go ahead. It's that woke right. woke type crowd, whereas where we get into this type of thing where, you know, you get these crazy things and like like you were saying when I was go- going off on on Sasha's criticism, and I'm a huge I'm a huge Sasha Baron Cohen fan. I think he's he's done so much to point out racism, hate, behavior, and he, and he does it in a brilliant manner. But why is he picking on Facebook more than everybody else? Because they've become the easy target. You know, in his speech that he gave, uh, you know, a few weeks ago or whatever it was, he did mention the other firms, but Zuckerberg is easy to go after. You know, it's a guy with no friends. He he built this thing and, you know, he's he's destroying democracy. Well, I mean, you could argue Roger Ailes' impact on democracy and the way he changed news, but basically waking up and being like, hey – you know, major news networks are are essentially tailored towards the liberal views. Let me create one that just centers on conservative views. And by doing that, he swung the other ones in the other direction to the point that now all news is considered biased. Right. I, and I don't think... I mean, for for all the heat of Fox News... CNN has changed just as much in the last several years, right? Wow, I I don't watch I don't watch cable networks, so I I feel like the studies I'm not, sh- but it doesn't matter exactly. I think Roger Ailes. I don't think the people who criticize Mark Zuckerberg are sparing Roger Ailes. I think you're. I I think again, it might be a saliency point. The fact that he's bigger. I mean, Zuckerberg's more successful. He's bigger beyond his persona stuff, the robotic stuff, or that he's just this, you know, nerd programmer who went to the most elite institutions, whatever. But I I guess, let me, let me. Yeah. But are they criticizing Murdoch? I mean, Murdoch's own family, generally speaking, liberal and ideals. Okay. His eldest son, you know, wife, big Obama supporter. They don't, they don't necessarily agree with what you know they're putting out there from sean hannity and lou dobbs and 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 whatever but it's a profit machine i mean if you look at the numbers it's not even close in comparison the amount of people that watch fox news they figure that out and they mint money you don't see sasha baron cohen being like you know rupert murdoch is destroying democracy because he wants to make money it's up to the individual to take this information and make an informed decision on their own. You read an ad, I mean, uh, that's political in nature, and you don't like it, go out and figure it out on your own. I mean, that, that, that's the way it is. But we're just assuming that you're, you're brainwashed. And when if that's the case, well, there's plenty of other mediums where that's going on, where they don't get the criticism. Facebook, just because it's so profitable and so ubiquitous, gets so much more heat and I, I it's a pr issue that they have and when we look at it from an investing standpoint that's what they need to overcome and when that goes back to to zuckerberg i mean you know run run a campaign about the positive things that have been accomplished via social media you know how many people have built businesses how many people have stayed in touch how many people have been connected like the things that that they've done right versus what I, ironically haven't they tried like tv advertising around that i feel like they've they've done the 
like Facebook, we connect you sort of thing. I mean, not, not to, I think you're probably, I, I guess the question is how much it's, this probably doesn't affect their business from a, like they, they obviously don't need to raise money as you, you pointed out, minting a ton of cash. So then the other question is how much are they, how much is this preventing them from new opportunities? Like they're not, they're not like that without question is, is a concern. And then how much does it cost to get the overcome this problem until they can either pursue those opportunities or t- until their multiple returns to, or their growth rate, because you know, the growth rate is they're maturing, et cetera. But that's, I guess the investing question, right? Yeah. No, I look, th- they could experiment with premium subscription models that uh, I don't necessarily know if it, if it would work in, in, uh, in the long term at scale, but they are constrained. But then in theory, so is everybody else who's focused on advertising, which goes back to you know YouTube and Google not getting the same heat that Facebook gets. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's definitely, because YouTube is arguably more visceral. So, so what are you like? What are you? You're holding here. You're, you're pretty confident. Like, what are you? How does this change? Well, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say you're pretty confident. I would say that the regulatory overhang at some point has got to be addressed in terms of how sustainable it is and what essentially handcuffs that they have on operating. And it's hard to to peg where that gets a resolution at any time in the near future. That's kind of a bit of the challenge. And if it, I think from a stock standpoint, if you see them aggressively move more into e-commerce with Instagram shopping and WhatsApp for business and subscription-based tools that you're paying for, I think people will start to warm more to the stock on that growth engine, offsetting the constant uh, concerns around advertising, the regulatory element. Like you said, what's the cost of doing business? If your cost of doing business is you know, $5 billion in fines every few years, you got to factor that in. But for them, that's absorbable. I think that's, yeah. And that's just- with But then e- how, do you get, how, how do you get excited about Snapchat? or Twitter as an investor. Well, and that's what it is, right? Because these it's, that's where this whole, the, that's, I guess what the argument is behind Fang or whatever else is just the scale that these companies have amassed. There's sort of this inevitable momentum, both as an investment and as a company like Facebook, it's the opposite of the black Knight and Monty Python. Like you can chop off their arm and it just grows back because they've, you know, they've got endless cash reserves. They're just uh, even breaking them up, I guess, in some theory affects them. But you know that if they were broken up into Instagram and their messaging services, they would all still be like, I, I think that would probably unlock value, not decrease it. So it's, it would, but they would also all have to compete against each other. Fair. For, yeah, for ad dollars. Haul. Yeah. In the long haul. But that's what I'm saying is if you go back and you look at Snapchat or Twitter, it's you as an investor in them you want them to be more like facebook in the long in the long haul and their ability to make money even tiktok but 
they also have younger demographics. I mean, there's very young kids on Snapchat. Like, isn't it more of a threat in terms of how they end up? Like, they're going to end up having to do the same thing if they're doing advertising is managing <laughs> the content that is displayed to the youth. This where Facebook gets heat right now is the huge OPEX spend. That's a problem that anybody who wants to run an advertising driven model around an audience that's been essentially cultivated via a social media app is going to have. So then in theory, all the stocks are unattractive. And maybe they're, oh. then, then they all become more restricted in the ways that they can target. And that's where you get into where you get back to the fact that why does Facebook get the heat that the others don't? Because everyone who's running an ad-driven business is about being able to track, collect information, and provide that ROI to advertisers. So Facebook's just the best at it and has the largest scale. But everyone else has those same aspirations. I mean, and Google is pretty damn close. But people don't think about it because there's a passive element to social media. There's a much more active element to running a search query. And what served you via that ad? But I mean, you know, they're looking at stuff in your Gmail. They're looking at and stuff in your G Chat. They're collecting information within their network of apps to target you. And right. that's the nature. That's the that's the that's the, the whole thing about free tools. You know, like if everybody wants to just pay a subscription fee equivalent to Netflix for access to everything Facebook does, they don't have to sell ads. But like, what percentage of people in emerging markets? are going to want to spend $150 a year to be able to see what their friends are doing or to be able to make some free voice calls. I mean, there's, there'll definitely be a huge percentage because it's cheaper than the alternatives of like, let's say a telco or whatnot, but it won't be nearly as big as it is now because you're going to have a lot of people be like, okay, well, I mean, I don't need, I'll, I'll watch television. It's interesting with these companies because it's almost like the OpX goes to their moat. I mean, it's not, I, I'm not an accountant. I don't want to start suggesting things, but you could almost think of building out these, you know, the GDPR point was made that with the GDPR regulation, that really goes to Google and Facebook's advantage because they're the only ones who can deal with it. And so you wonder if that's the case. 100%. For- you're, you're completely right on that. The amount they're spending on that goes, if you're Twitter or Snapchat, you can't spend this type of money to deal with the anti-privacy, but sorry, if you want to call it uh, privacy regulations and the degree that you have to monitor your content, you're at a disadvantage. Right. Which is, yeah. And but so the, that- but, the, but the difference for those companies is... And that goes back to Twitter choosing to not run political ads. For them, the cost of doing it is prohibitive to be dealing with what Facebook is dealing with because they don't monetize as well as Facebook. Jack Dorsey can make his case that they're doing this because they think it's the right thing to do. When really, if you're on Twitter, you can build a political type following without having to have that. So they're serving ads into it. Like it's 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 not really essentially an issue for them. Yeah, they're going to miss out on on some election dollars, 
which for the amount of people who spend time on there, but the, the time spent for them goes up in an election because people interact with Twitter more for politics. So they'll just serve other ads into there. This is a display model for them, which is fine. And they're going to get higher revenue benefit without the headwinds, the costs of having to determine X, Y, and Z content and the tools really, which they have not invested in nearly as uh, anywhere close to a Facebook to take that content and screen it and manage it and then have humans, you know, essentially make a, 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 a qualitative assessment of it. Well, and it's it, maybe to summarize what I think the, the story is here is this sort of a scrutiny arbitrage play in the sense that Facebook, if you just take their revenue numbers and their earnings numbers, and that's where Amazon is sort of a decent proxy, Google as well, like they should be valued at a higher multiple is your argument, but they're getting- The argument is that, look, it's a, it's a $200 stock that should be like a $300 stock. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it purely on, a, on an economic model standpoint. And that's because they're getting more scrutiny than they deserve. And at some point, the market will realize that they're, they're in the same position as ever, like they're, whether or not the problems they've had, which I think, you know, are real challenges for all of these companies, not just Facebook. So something's got to give to align that. Is that sort of a fair case? Yeah, I think to a degree, that's a fair case. I think that you, you have to figure out how does it change to the point where everything that Facebook is criticized for is viewed within the context of other companies. If you were to eliminate social media in its entirety, okay, if you somehow think of it in, in that sense, who else loses? There's everyone. Everyone thinks is successful is is is, is to a degree uh, a loser in that sense. They they all are going to experience hits. I mean, if you if your if your time on your phone is not spent on that, then how do you change Apple's business? Okay, all right. I think we've had. I think a lot to chew. I mean, on. look, it's not it's not an easy thing. It, maybe if Zuckerberg was to uh, bring someone else on, who I don't know how how you kind of solve the problem, but like it seems that w- it's popular to pick on him. I mean, if you have you know. People like Sasha Baron Cohen and, and Mark Beanoff and uh, Tim Cook and and the founders of the companies that you you bought critical of you. you you're going to have a tough time. And the, the question is, do those people step back for a second and think, well, why are you just picking on this, and why do you also not think about the productive things that come out of this? Because. For the cost that they do, they, they do improve things around the world to for many people to a degree that doesn't get the credit. I mean, WhatsApp, if it wasn't owned by Facebook, would have to make money, okay? These guys sold for $20 billion. They're not happy about the way things are going now. And they say, we delete Facebook and this, and they stepped down and they had kind of this anti-mainstream view of of the way they started their company and ran it 
But to support the infrastructure for WhatsApp, you would have to charge people to be able to make free phone calls and uh, to be able to message. Well, it's, it's sort of like, you know, the whole meme about the unicorns that essentially subsidize our lifestyle because everything is cheaper than it should be here. The payment comes through the advertising, obviously, but it, it's, it's, again, it's the same with Amazon. It's like all these companies where they take a profitable business, Amazon's case, they take AWS and that helps pay for free shipping or whatever, the one day shipping that they now have. And so it's just all these things. And, you know, again, we could go different conversation, different topic. I I feel like that's something that's also embedded in the whole climate change is just the way we consume is in the modern culture, et cetera. But there's just a lot of, I think that's, that's what's interesting here with Facebook without absolving them of everything going on is just there. This is we have to be conscious of the way these different pieces fit together. And then ultimately when you leave the company at a, what we said, 20 to 22 times forward multiple for it's still growing, still expecting to grow, let's say 17% year over year or whatever. Yeah. And, and still a business that has other avenues without question to expand mm-hmm. in and has a proven track record of execution. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we can say what we want to say about them, but if you're doubting their ability to provide tools for people to essentially make money in e-commerce, if I'm a Shopify investor or Amazon or Etsy or or anyone else, like I would be worried about Facebook and e-commerce. Their ability to provide tools for you to create a storefront and to get into things like payments, logistics, and and whatnot and fulfillment is is not something you want to doubt them on. This is this is they they don't have a problem executing. So I think their biggest problem can, continues to be tied to their founder and uh, the negative feedback that they get for being so successful and for being so intertwined in a daily part of life that is viewed not so much as an, an active business decision. That's really it at the end of the day. Because everybody else, you know, you go buy an iPhone, you buy an iPad, you're shopping online, uh, you're subscribing to media, you're playing video games. Like these things don't get the same type of heat because you're making this conscious decision to spend money. Uh, Facebook, it's like, hey, we just gave you something for free. And we're making money off of what, what we learn about you. Okay. So let's leave it there. A lot, a lot of good, interesting ways to go with this. And yeah, I mean, it, as an investment, it, you know, there's definitely a lot here. You do we, any other, I feel like we mentioned a few other names that you might have positions in. I'm long Disney, which you brought up any, uh, I, I, I mean, I've been long it, but not, not right now. Shop and snap. I feel like have been, I was, I was short so, shop. Still am. I have right. no position in Snap. I've okay. shorted it before. I don't know who else did we talk about. Twitter. I've been long. I don't have a position now. Again, yeah. like it's 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 hard to really look at these and say maybe Facebook down now, and you know, in two or three months it shakes it off again. That's kind of been the story, right? Mm-hmm. So, I I do think the the antitrust argument against them is hard to make. Because if you if you do look, there is competition out there, and 
if you hit them hard, someone else is going to be doing the same thing that they've been doing. These companies adapt, they collect information, and that's how they make money. I mean, it goes back to Google, which essentially has the same problems. Facebook really is the best thing that ever happened to Google because they get all the heat for the same type of business Google is essentially running, targeted advertising. Right. Right. And Google just is for the advertisers of things that draw a lot of controversy isn't as appealing as, as a space as Facebook has been because Facebook has become more pervasive on a daily basis that when you compare like an Instagram or Facebook to a YouTube, YouTube's had many types of crises over the years, many ones where people have gotten worked up about the types of ads and advertisers have pulled ads, ad spent from YouTube temporarily. And it's, it's, it's no different. I mean, it's, it's just that in, in Facebook's case, its CEO, and maybe because of, you know, his backstory and, and the things that he's done and, and people being so familiar with it is a popular target. I mean, I really do wonder what it's like for him interacting with these other <laughs> tech titans when they're all so critical of him. And so many of them have benefited based on, on what he provides. He seems like an awkward guy, probably. I mean, he's smooth, smoothed himself out, but probably doesn't... Be- doesn't bother him too much. Yeah, I mean, he's he's introverted by nature, without question. He's not, you know, uh, Mark Beanoff, who is, comes from a sales culture, or Tim Cook, who comes from a logistics, or Steve Jobs from w- w- what he was doing as far as a, a personality that 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 was really good at getting people to like him. But he is extremely talented without question and he knows how to build a a very successful business i I think he gets himself into trouble with his lack of public awareness on, on on certain things about how he may be perceived at times but i mean there's there's always going to be people like that it's a question of faulting them for for their behavior yeah it's just, I think what this story highlights is just some of the sort of challenges of our time are just concentrated here. And so, all right, this is great stuff. Uh, let's, yeah, it, that, thank you for your time, Akram. Let's, let's do it again, again in two weeks. No, no problem. All right, take care. Take care.